Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of About Abroad, where it's my job to introduce you to people who have built amazing lives for themselves in various foreign corners of the globe. We're talking with expats and thought leaders about moving abroad, remote work, visas, and all the fun and practical knowledge that you need to know to follow in their footsteps. If you've ever dreamed of making a life for yourself overseas, maybe working remotely or embracing long-term travel, retiring or studying abroad, or even just taking a peek inside life beyond your borders, you've landed in the right place. My guest today is Phil Palin. He is a personal brand specialist and digital nomad from Canada via the United States, now living in Colombia for the last few months, and basically just traveling the world through a variety of different methods, has built up a handful of income streams for himself, and has been featured across some of the top publications in the world, CNN, Business Insider, Washington Post, the list goes on. He is really living the dream, as far as I can tell, has built up an awesome business, loves calling Medellin his home away from home in Colombia, and has some amazing insider knowledge to share about building your own personal brand, which can be super useful for those of you that want to create an online business or course or kind of set out on becoming an entrepreneur to earn your location independence. Phil has tons of knowledge to share on this. So we spend a lot of time on that area. We talk about Columbia. We talk about how he built his career and the path that he took to find location independence and to become a digital nomad, all the places that he's traveled around the world, all the continents. It's really, really fun. And he has just an amazing story to tell. So I hope you'll help me in welcoming Phil Palin to About Abroad. Phil, welcome to About Abroad. Thank you so much for joining I am so happy to be here. Listen, I am a listener of this podcast. And in the past, when I've listened to episodes that I've thoroughly enjoyed, I've thought in the back of my head, my God, I hope he asked me to be on this one day. And it happened. And I'm here. And I'm so happy. <laughs> oh, that's that's a, a real honor because that, that goes both ways. I have been following your work for some time now. We have a, a mutual friend, a, a former guest on this show. And uh, I discovered your work through an Instagram live that you guys did, Andrea. And, uh, and I was just like, oh, I hope, I hope one day I can get this guy on the show because your story is, is so unique from what I can gather. And I'm, I'm really interested to dive into it even deeper. But you've kind of built this like brand around yourself as a branding person and you get to travel the world doing it and you've got full location independence you're living in are you in colombia right now is that is that right yes i'm in colombia yeah. right now so i mean you've just you've just built a super cool lifestyle and i think people are going to love learning more about you and i'm super interested to learn more about colombia because it's a place that's eluded me i've come close so many times and it keeps eluding me i mean i'm i'm very excited awesome i'm so happy to be here and it's funny. A lot of times when I'm on podcasts, it's normally talking about business or about branding. And I know we'll talk about those things, but this topic, like this topic that you tackle is something I'm so passionate about and something I'm so interested in. Like I don't listen to podcasts for fun, even though I have a podcast, it's about branding. It's called brand therapy. I, I don't listen to them. 
But I listen to yours because I love this topic. I love talking about this. I love learning from people like you. It's, you know, digital nomads in 2021 at the time of recording this. This is a term that a lot of people know now, especially after the last year that we've had. But I think there's such an exciting future for people that can actually start to make this happen and not just ponder and dream about this lifestyle, but actually take some necessary steps to make it a reality. I get fired up about this topic because I love my life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and when you, it's like an easy product to sell when you love it, right? Like it's, it's so natural. And once you've lived this lifestyle and it's something, it's not for everybody for sure, but for those that uh, kind of have that itch and are afraid to scratch it, I love to talk about it because I'm like, this is so, it's, it's such a fun way to live and it is all possible. And I think you just touched on something, which is like the term digital nomad was, a, a you know, it was, people might've known, people might've thrown it around a little bit over the last couple of years, but in the last year or two, this has become like a much more actual, much more of a real reality for people to, to obtain with the rise of remote work and more jobs going online, more companies allowing people to work from wherever they want. So I think it's like, it's a trend that's going to, we're going to see increase. I totally agree with that. And I'm excited about it because there's, you know, yeah, like you said, there's always, there's challenges with it and it's not sunshine and roses all the time, but it's sunshine and roses most of the time. Let's be honest. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wake up thinking a, a lot of days like this is pretty sweet. Uh, I'm, I'm not too, not too sad about this. So let's, um, let's give people a little bit of background on you before we go too much further, because I think uh, we, could, we could set the stage a little bit. We've already established you're, you're in Colombia, but you are not from Colombia. I don't hear a, a traditional Colombian accent there. Uh, so t where are you from and what do you do and, and why are you in Colombia and, and the deets around that? Great. I'll keep this short because it is a long story, but I'll give you the highlights. I'm Canadian. I did university, my undergrad in Canada, moved to the US for my master's degree and moved, you know, my dream was to work in the entertainment business. Three months before I was set to graduate with my degree, I entered an internship, which was to become Charlie Sheen's social media intern at the peak of his craziness in the media, <laughs> 2011. Really? Out of 90,000 people, I made it to the top 50. I built a social media campaign around becoming his intern with a few friends of mine, my now business partner, and uh, made it out to LA. All while that was going on, I also, through some connections, got an introduction to Ryan Seacrest Productions and landed my internship with Ryan Seacrest. One week before I was set to start my internship, I still had a lot of press. I generated a lot of press around my social media campaign, and I was fired by Ryan Seacrest. I got a call from a VP there that said, Phil, I have some bad news. Ryan isn't happy. Because I had just mentioned to the press, I'm moving to LA and I am working for Ryan Seacrest. And the headline of the article said, sorry, Sheen, hello Seacrest. And it had connected Ryan Seacrest's family brand with Charlie Sheen's brand of cocaine and strippers at the time. <laughs> and so that was my warm welcome to Hollywood. I stayed there for a few years as a Canadian, needed to get a visa to stay in the country, and I worked really hard. My sole focus and goal was to stay in the U.S., stay in the U.S., move to the land of opportunity, 
find a job in Hollywood. And I got a taste of that. And I, you know, I still have clients in entertainment that I continue to work with, but not that many. That was about two or three years. And I got my green card and I went through the whole process, sponsorship, green card, marriage. Like there's all kinds of things there. That's a topic for another day. And I, I found a way to stay. And I started to travel, Chase, when I was speaking at conferences. It was actually a podcast interview, a friend of mine, Jan, who was in Finland. And he said, Phil, why have you never been to Finland? You should come over here and speak at a conference. I was like, Finland? Where the hell's Finland? Great. I mean, <laughs> maybe I'll email the organizer and ask them if they want a speaker on branding. And they did. They did want me to speak. They didn't pay me, but they covered my hotel and my flight, I think. And I thought, my God, well, why wouldn't I just go to Finland, speak at a conference, write it off, and travel through Europe? I brought my mom with me, and I went to five different cities in Europe. This was 2013, I think. And I discovered that speaking was something that satisfied that kind of entertainment, that spotlight, that extroverted personality that I have. But it also built my business. Clients that would see me you know, speak on stage would learn from me, would trust me right away. And I got to see the world. And it became, honestly, an addiction in a good way. I was so excited about leaving home. Made some, some lifestyle changes within a few years. And by 2017, I left my one bedroom in Santa Monica, rent controlled. It was very hard to let that go. Packed everything up. Became a full-time digital nomad. I should say one year prior to that, I actually started home swapping. So this was my mm -hmm. gateway drug to digital nomading. I had my Easier Santa Monica- cigarettes to the weed. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and people wanted to go to LA for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And I was very against my lease to put it on Airbnb. I wasn't really interested in making money. I couldn't. I mean, they would have kicked me out. There was, you know, the, the fine print didn't specify home swapping. And you couldn't see my listing unless you were signed up to the website. I thought, oh, I'll push this boundary since I kind of feel like I'm ready to leave anyways. And I went to some of the coolest places for, for free. I mean, yeah, I'd pay for my flight, but I went to South Africa. I went to Colombia. I went to Japan. I went to Germany. I went, oh my God, I went to London a few times. I went to France. I went to Spain. I went to Portugal. All in a year. And wow. ideally coincided, you know, conferences and events and workshops that were happening um, in each of the dates that I traveled. So that was the year. And then by my leasing office was like putting some pressure on me, like, why are there strangers in your apartment all the time? We know you're renting and we're going to find it and you're going to be evicted very soon. And I thought, ah, I'll be, rather than you firing me, I'll be the one to quit. <laughs> Got rid of it. <laughs> Packed everything up, knew I was done in California, actually moved all my belongings out to Florida, which for me is where I went to school. And it's kind of in the middle of everywhere that I travel, Europe, South, Af uh, South America, et cetera. Ended up buying a house in Florida that I rent solely on Airbnb. It became my business address. So I saved money on taxes, Florida over California. I go back there once, twice a year just to go to my closet, which feels like a little retail store because I forget everything that's in there. It's not, there's not much. Because I am pretty true to like digital nomad and minimalism, but I walk in no there judgment. and I'm like, oh, these are good winter, <laughs> these are good winter clothes. These are good summer clothes. Here's like those random things that I don't have any use for. But that's kind of my life. So that's that set me up in 2017 for really being on the road full time, and I've been on the road full time since then. Columbia is my favorite place to be. I tried 
London out for a few months. As a Canadian, I could get a visa to live over there. And I planned on moving over there for two years and I lasted three months, spent some time in Morocco. Colombia, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but Colombia kind of feels like home for me. Mexico, Latin America for sure is my preference. So that's like, I I mean, I said it was going to be a long story and I still kind of made it long, but I tried to give you the highlights because, you know, it's a bit of a roller coaster. No, I, I want. I mean, I'll just. I could turn the mic off and just let you go for it, and then we'll we'll see in forty five minutes. Because no, I, I think yeah, I think I the uh, I think I think the story is awesome, and I, there's so much that I would like to, like so many different directions I want to go. But I want to. I would like to start with one thing. So, the you had this like deep desire to go to the U.S. That was like like was it was it L.A. Was that the allure, or was it the U.S. coming from for, coming from Canada? Like stepping back there. Cause I, I think that's an interesting relationship, like Canada to the U S and like, there's, there's, I don't know, there's something really funny about that. Like why, like Canada seems like peaceful and and nice. And like, I hear a lot of jokes like coming from Canadians, like, Oh man, like what's going on down there. And, but you had this like desire to, to go there. So what, what was that transition like? I feel as a Canadian, I think how many other countries, particularly ones around the U S feel like it's such an exciting place. We grow up watching movies. The biggest export of the U.S. is entertainment. So people all around, as an American, you don't really realize it because you're in the middle of it. But when you're not American, and I mean, I feel here in Colombia, I've got friends that are Colombian that are in the U.S. right now, and it's like the most exciting moment in their life. They're, they're so excited. Um, I have tons of friends like, their dream is to go to New York. I'm like, why? Why would you go to New York? And it's just, it's just something. And and I was yeah. in that place. And I think, yeah, I mean, typical for Canadians to know a lot about the U.S. and then Americans know nothing about Canada. That probably like that maybe yeah, frames that, that kind yeah. of moment. Yeah, that stereotype. Yeah, it was just something I wanted to do. I felt like there were really exciting opportunities in the U.S. And to be honest, there are. My business is still based in the U.S. Many of my clients are in the U.S. My business is personal branding, so consulting, social media strategy. Uh, when I'm building a brand, photography, brand identity development, website design, I'm still a part of all of that in the trenches. So yeah, I mean, my market is definitely American. I think mostly yeah. American, but then I've got clients in Europe and people all, all over the world that have resulted from travel. So all of this kind of works together in a symbiotic way. And I get excited about it. I clearly love to talk about it. Yeah. It's so, it's so cool how those things connect too, because it wasn't like, this is a, this is a common theme on this show. When I talk to people and you may have heard this listening to other episodes, like most people didn't really have, like most people that arrive on this show, they've had some level of success and they've built this really cool life for themselves. And it's, it's fun to talk about now, but it, it's like generally not what they planned to do right and that and that sounds the same for you like you didn't set out when you graduate you you were going i mean the the story about about charlie sheet and, and ryan seacrest like that that was the avenue you were going on and while there's some correlation with what you're doing now like you're a digital nomad you're in columbia you've got a business in florida like in a lot of ways you couldn't be further from that and and you're loving your life and i think that's i think that's really amazing because like we tend to think of life as like pretty linear. Like we're on this like stepping stone, like, okay, I'm going to take, I'm going to graduate university and then I'm going to take this internship and do this job. And then I've written in 40 years, I'll retire. And it's generally not the case at all. And I just, I love hearing stories like this. Me too. It's so true. I mean, everything you just said is so true. I worked 
like my sole focus was how do I stay in the US? It was the only thing I cared about. And now you can't even keep me there. I have special documentation. It's called a re-entry permit that I have to renew every two years that allows me to keep my green card because I don't stay in the US for enough days of the year to actually qualify <laughs> for one. If you're not in the US for, you know, more than six months of the year, then you have to have this thing, which looks like a passport. Um, I can't even, I can't even go back and get vaccinated right now. Cause I would get mine in the U S I'm in Florida, but I'm waiting on this document to be renewed essentially to be able to go back. So stranded in Columbia, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> Life is good. Oh man, that's uh, that's funny. I'm actually in the exact same situation. I have been waiting for months on my visa here in Spain to renew and it has been approved for months it's just literally like getting the little card that like basically like looks like a driver's license to say that so i can't leave the country because i wouldn't be allowed back in because That's my right. card is expired now you know any any logical immigration officer would be like yeah sure you know whatever it, of course it's covid little different times but Technically, they would they could say like no your your passport your the equivalent of your passport is expired and you can't get back in so I'm kind of like stranded and, and can't go back home <laughs> sort of thing yeah I get it these are the things yeah. we we deal with yeah it is it is and you couldn't go back to Canada uh, to to get the vaccine or I could possibly go back but i'm not a resident in canada anymore i'm not a taxpayer in canada uh, anymore so i'll be honest i haven't even fully explored those possibilities i was back there in february um to visit my grandparents and stuff and it's um uh it's just not really something i want to do like go all the way back up there right now yeah. <laughs> it's just easier for me to to get it in the u.s i mean many i mean canada's been a lot slower with the rollout of the vaccine so I think I'd be waiting quite a while. And for me, I think other digital nomads would agree that are getting vaccinated. Like I want the single shot Johnson and Johnson because I don't want to have to stay in one particular place for a month to have to wait, to, to wait to get first one and then have to wait to get the second one. I'm like, that does not line up with my schedule. Thank you very much. No, no. Digital nomads have a, have a different mindset around this whole thing. They're like uh, a month in one place. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't quite understand. What do you mean by that? <laughs> no. And, and, and it's, you're so true because as a digital nomad, when I think about the vaccine and I mean, this gets very political, but I, I'm like, yeah, of course I want to get the the vaccination because it'll make traveling easier. Like that's yeah, my sole that's thing. I already had, I had COVID last year. I'm not like particularly worried about getting it again, but I want it just so that I can not have any limits on travel in the future. That's like, I'm like, yeah, That's go ahead it. and jab me. I don't care what's in it. Just like make it easier for me to travel. Give me my microchip. I'm ready to travel. I don't yeah, care. I'm ready. Exactly. If that's the price, my I'll pay it. You'll see me. I'll yeah. be, I'll be zigzagging around the world here. No, you'll, you, I'll yeah. tell you exactly where I'm going. Um, well, let's, uh, let's get back to, uh, Columbia real quick because, uh, we haven't even surprisingly have not even made it there yet. And so this is kind of like where you're, you're most comfortable now. And I mentioned this when we first got started, uh, it's a country that's eluded me and has always kind of like called to me. I, I don't know if you, if, uh, if you know this, I spent some time in Ecuador and there were tons of Colombians in Ecuador and we were in the South of, of Ecuador in Cuenca for, about six months. And there were tons of Colombians there. And they were always, we, we like made friends with Colombians a lot, like as much or more than 
Ecuadorians because they were, it was just always so fun and vibrant and so kind. So anyway, I, I have this like need to go to Colombia and just haven't made it there. But what do you love about it? And, and, and what's your journey been like to arrive there and kind of, kind of settle in a little bit? So I feel exactly the same way about Colombians as you. When I, especially when I'm not physically here and I'm somewhere around the world, if I meet a Colombian, it's almost like meeting, it's almost more exciting to me than meeting a Canadian. Like, you know, Canadians have yeah. a good reputation around the world. We're good for traveling. Like, we're good. Americans will sometimes pretend to be us. Like, we're fine. Just behave, you know, if you pretend. But like, if I meet a Colombian abroad, I'm like, I have a special place in my heart. Honestly, I just, I love it here. I love the people. There's this still this like sense of appreciation and curiosity around tourism, specifically here in Medellin, which is where I'm normally based. People are so happy that that people are coming here because it wasn't this way 15 years ago. It's such a beautiful city. It's so comfortable. It's so comfortable. Like it's just I, I have yet to be somewhere abroad where I've just felt so at home so quickly. It takes me like 24 hours to get here and get unpacked. And all of a sudden I fall into my you know routine, go to the gym, go to my favorite restaurant, see my favorite people. Like I just, you know, when you're traveling around and bopping around so much, it's nice to be comfortable once in a while. And Medellin for me is that place. There's nothing like really strongly in particular that draws me here. I think it's a combination of things. The weather is amazing. The food is great. Um, here, particularly in Medellin, there's such a great variety of international food as well. Restaurants are great. Obviously, the cost of living weighs significantly for me on this. Being based in the U.S. and, and earning in, in USD makes for a lot less pressure. Living here more long-term versus, so if Medellin is in my top three, I would say Stockholm is also in my top three. Stockholm for me similarly draws me and pulls me there. I have a ton of friends. I love the culture. It's super clean, but it's so freaking expensive yeah. that I don't live as much without pressure. Here, I just have no pressure. Um, and I think that's what I love about it. It's just like chill. Yeah. God, li and living without pressures is something that some people I think can't even imagine. Like, like we're kind of wired and, and brainwashed a little bit to think that like life is supposed to be pressure and like, like pressure packed yeah. and like work, 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 go, go, go. And I think when, you know, when I talk to people on this show and people here, people that have moved to Spain for a lot of the same reasons, like just, you know, it's not, it's not just about the cost of living. Like everything you mentioned before that is, is obviously so important, like the culture and the, and the, the food, the gastronomy, the, the, the liveliness, but like, just there's so much to be said for that. Like, ah, you just, you can kind of chill out a little bit. It's, it's really nice and live. Totally. And so to, to contrast that when I thought I knew I had, I knew I was done living in LA. I was spending such, you know, a, a huge amount of time outside of the city, outside of the country, even that I knew it was time to make a change. Projects weren't dependent on being, you know, in person, I had started coming to Columbia. Actually, it was a student I mentored from the school mm -hmm. that I went to that had graduated, you know, years after me. It was him. He's Colombian. He said, Phil, you need to come back and see the country once. And I did. And I loved it and came back every year thereafter. And I've been back every year for four or five years 
except for last year, obviously. Couldn't travel at all. So <laughs> I was in Mexico last year, actually, and saw a lot of Mexico. That's another thing with <laughs> I couldn't Columbia. travel. I wasn't yeah. allowed to travel, so I was in Mexico. <laughs> exactly. Don't feel bad for me. I spent four months in Cabo. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> Mexico was open. Mexico was open, yeah. It was a great place to be during quarantine. Mexico City, Tulum, uh, Cabo. We went all over the country. Great. Yeah, it was awesome. Wow. But Colombia, I was just in Cartagena this weekend, so I'm like a little bit sunburned. And I could fly this afternoon if I wanted to down towards the south of the country where there's like amazing tall palm trees. And I could go, there's, so, there's such a variety here and I really like that. Yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about it. It's just, I think we all as digital nomads, you find where is home for you. And this definitely feels like that for me. I'm not saying I would go and like buy an apartment right away. I mean, I might in the future, always with, Always with the ability, if I invest in real estate, it's always going to be so that I can rent it out for the time that I'm not there so other people can enjoy it as well. But I could see me doing that here, maybe not in the immediate future because Airbnb is so easy. But yeah, I mean, this is definitely somewhere I'll keep coming back. I, I actually hope we can uh, find time to circle back to the Airbnb concept that you've built out for yourself because um, I think it's totally relevant to a lot of people's situations and really smart, like the, the smart way to do it. A lot of people are thinking like, oh, well, I would love to do this, but I can't keep my mortgage here and do to, you know, take on another rent in another country or Airbnb places over there. And it kind of eludes them like, hey, like I could just Airbnb my place and use that as a home base, come back once a year or something and, and, or however often. And like you said, you get to go retail shopping and, uh, yeah. and dig through your closet, find all that fun. That's a really fun thing. Actually. I, I, I enjoy that when we go back and I like, I like look at my stuff. I'm like, Ooh, I'm taking that shirt. And Oh, I forgot I had that toy. And it's super fun. Yeah. It's like shopping it. without having to spend money. Um, it's yeah. so fun. And well, so I, all day I'm constantly between, in the Airbnb app between Traveler and Host. And so at the time of recording this, I have one house in Florida. Uh, it's my address and my business address, but um, I rent it. So I just have a, a, a lock, a keypad on a closet and a really trustworthy property manager. And i that's one of my income streams is rentals. So it's pretty awesome to make money on a rental in the US that covers my rent uh, abroad, living in a place like <laughs> Colombia or even I think, you know, Portugal, or there's places where you can live really affordably, Spain in some places. Um, that's pretty awesome. Like it just kind yeah. of, so I'm, I'm a huge fan. I mean, I'm a, Airbnb plays a huge role, I'd say in my life right now. Um, my tips would be when you're traveling, spend at least one month in a place so that you get Typically, the the discount most hosts will give is twenty to thirty percent um, mm -hmm. off nightly rates if you book at least thirty days. Not all we have the option as hosts to set that, but it's actually when you set up your listing, it's recommended by Airbnb to give at least twenty percent off of a monthly. So always go when you're getting into this digital nomad stuff. You really do need to look for ways to save money and staying in a place for at least thirty days for a lot of reasons. But the cost of staying is one of them. Also the, you know, getting a gym membership is very hard to do for, and hard to do economically for less than sometimes one, two, three months. There's so many reasons to stay somewhere for a little bit of time to get your feet wet. 
Yeah, those are some really good tips. Actually, it's it's funny you mention all this because so you mentioned you kind of had this like year where you sort of like transitioned into becoming a digital nomad and I also had that year and it was in Florida and I got I got like a job opportunity down in Florida and the idea was you like live in a place so say you lived in Orlando and then you would travel every week all around the state to like every corner of the state to go visit like the customers of a company that we had merged with or bought or something like that. And, Hmm. you know, introduce the new company. And that was the idea. And I said, well, instead of like putting me up in a hotel every week, what if you guys just rented me an Airbnb for a month and I just go and stay in one month in all these different places. Um, And this is like when I feel like, like actually that was when I was introduced to Airbnb. This is years ago. And uh, so anyway, I started out by just like, started out my like my dipping my toe into true like always like living on the road by living in different corners of Florida up and down the state and and I really we had a great time like by the end I had to like I'm like okay I've seen Florida and I was actually born there yeah. and my family's from there so I've seen a lot of Florida anyway but it was cool like just getting into some of these little corners and staying in Airbnbs and that's always been on uh, on my mind as well like like exactly what you're doing to do to do that exactly like have a home base rent it out, have that money, that stream of income coming in. Hopefully it sounds like it covers your expenses and provides yeah. you with enough to, uh, to cover your expenses abroad. So again, reducing pressure and living a little bit more free. And that's, that's amazing. Exactly. And I, so to add to that, I would, in my mind, when I'm planning where I'm going to be living somewhere affordably enables me to save money to live with less pressure in a more expensive place that I enjoy being. Stockholm is one of those places. I would say London is a place I love to visit, but it's not for me. The cost of living doesn't match the output that I get Mm -hmm. from being there. And I discovered that literally in three months. I had moved my stuff, okay, all over to the UK. (laughs) I was doing it. I was going to be there for two years and it took three months, albeit I moved in January. So that wasn't exactly, you know, the best month to, to get over there. But I was like, why... People in London, it was like everyone was on a routine. Everyone was on a strict schedule. They were running everywhere. It was like you'd rush through the tube with five zillion people. Then you'd get to work, and then you'd go to an expensive gym after work, and then you'd go home, or you'd have drinks, and then you'd go home, and then you'd repeat it all over again. I was like, I don't really fit into this matrix. Like, I don't – I work from home. I work on my own schedule. I don't need to be here was my realization. I don't need to be here. I don't need to be here. I don't need to pay this. I don't need I don't need the pressures. I don't fit into the flow. So I went to the coolest place after I gave up every I put my stuff in storage in London. And I was like, I'm gonna go for a few months. I'll come back here and sort this out. I went to Brazil. I went to Morocco. There's such a cool digital nomad kind of like haven in Morocco in Agadir that I went to. Really? And I, that was, yeah, that was the first place I met a significant n- number of other digital nomads. And that was so cool. I was there for a week and met so many people that I still keep in touch with. And then I came, I eventually came back to Latin America, Brazil, Colombia, Peru, etc. And I just coming back here, I was like, this is where I belong. I do not belong over there. Love my friends, love visiting London, don't need to live there. 
any time in my life. We'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor. This season is brought to you by my good friends over at Insured Nomads. They're the absolute best in the business when it comes to providing health, travel, and medical insurance for nomads, expats, and really just all forms of world travelers. I know insurance is often something that's overlooked when we're fantasizing about traveling the world, but it's absolutely necessity that we address this because often the policy you have in your home country isn't going to cover you while you're abroad. And it's also a requirement, as a lot of people may not realize, to actually buy private travel or expat insurance, as it's called sometimes, to obtain a visa or even enter certain countries. So fortunately, there are companies like Insured Nomads to help us with this. Not only do they have excellent coverage and great prices, but they're also providing a first-class experience with additional perks and best-in-class technology via their app. It's, a, it's an amazing experience. I can't recommend it enough. Now, this is a company that was built by world travelers for world travelers. So they know what it's like to find yourself in a difficult medical situation abroad, and they want to keep you from having that same bad experience. So the next time you're planning a trip abroad, whether it's for a week or a lifetime, check out Insured Nomads via the link in the show notes. Okay, now back to the episode. It's kind of fun to... to cross stuff off the list in that way in terms of like 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 sometimes we just have these place places in our mind that like oh i just have to go and live there like I'm, yes. i've been infatuated with this place that's where i want to be i never pictured myself living in spain much less valencia valencia wasn't even on my radar and it sounds i'm, I'm curious i want to ask you this question directly but like medellin kind of reminds me of uh, or i have the perception that medellin might be similar to valencia in this way that it's not like it's not on a lot of people's radar in terms of like a must see. And maybe even you visit it for two or three days and you're like, okay, yeah, this is cool. But like when you live there and you, and you soak into the culture and the, and the vibe of the city and, uh, and the culture and everything, you really like, you really fall in love with it. Kind of like surprising, like surprisingly deep. <laughs> and it's hard to, it's hard to explain until you've really spent some time there, but it's a great, like I, I describe Valencia as like, it's a great place to live and like, but it's not where I would tell you to come visit if you had a week to come to Europe or something like that. And yes. uh, so I wonder, I don't know if, if that, if that resonates with you around Medellin, but I think like when we check off these Londons and Berlins and, and yeah. Rio's and places, and then you get into some of these other ones and you're like, wow, I can really settle into the culture here. Well, it's so interesting how I'm always fascinated to talk to people to, to find out which cities really draw them. And it's, and people will name cities that I don't resonate with. And then other times people like will listen to me and say, Medellin, really of all places, that's the one you pick. Some people that have come and visited love it. I would say, yeah, I prefer to live here than to visit here um, for the same yeah. reasons you described with Valencia. But um, another one that people love is like Copenhagen. And I, and I enjoy visiting it, but I much prefer Stockholm. And then I, I'll... Other people are like Stockholm, really? What a boring city. I, Copenhagen's way more fun. It's just, we try to, I don't know. I think as digital nomads, there's a, there's a few things at play here is because we don't have a home or most of us don't have a home, we love to play in the imagination of like, what if I eventually live here? I don't even, I, will we ever <laughs> yeah. actually live I'll, somewhere? Maybe eventually, but we, we all do it. We all do it. 
we play. This is with the most fun game, like, and it's a it's yeah. a perpetual game. <laughs> We're always it's a doing perpetual this. game. And then it's like when you meet someone else who has a different perspective, you're like, really? That's your perspective? How? Why is that your perspective? Like, what was your? Ex- how was your experience different than my experience? And then it plays into taste, and it plays into like what matters to you. Like for me, weather is incredibly important. Weather is incredibly important for my happiness. Whereas for other people, sometimes I love cold weather or sometimes I don't care so much about weather, but they love, you know, the dinginess of a really busy city. Um, yeah. I, it's just so interesting. Right? We own. always play this game Teach, teach. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, yeah, it's just kind of fun to, to see, I, I love hearing from other people's experiences and perspectives. Like some people are really into Asia. I've, I love visiting. I've been in Japan five times, but it's not a place that I'd necessarily like want to go live for an extended amount of time. I'm much more drawn to Latin America. Hmm. Yeah. I, I'm also like very fascinated by this. I, I have like friends that are kind of like curious as to why I love Europe so much like and they they have the reasons they're like why Europe isn't for them and I I was always like just very infatuated by Europe and the history and the different what really gets me about Europe is like the the different distinct cultures right next to each other and just being able yes. to like cross from one board like in a couple you know a couple hour drive you can cross multiple borders hear multiple languages different histories different food and I just I'm like fascinated by this and I, I can't get enough of it. And then I have friends who come in, they're like, yeah, you know, I really, I just really prefer Asia. I really prefer Latin America, friends that live in the Middle East. And they're like, oh my God, the history here, the culture here, how could you not want to be here? So we all just have our, our thing that calls yeah. us to a place. And it's really fun to, to kind of dissect why. It's so true. I mean, I think Europe's unrivaled in that sense, um, in terms of like satisfying that curiosity of, of variety and proximity. I mean, I also yeah. feel that with Europe. Yeah, it's so interesting. I have friends that have like gone and like lived in China and I'm like, that is literally something that is not on my radar or something I'm ever interested in doing. It's just not, it's just not. It's yeah. just, there's so many other things I'm more excited by. Yet I have people that tell me like, that's where they want to be and that's what they want to do. And that's been their best experience. So it's not like one isn't better than the other, I guess, is the point here. And it's just so cool to hear about people's experiences and remind yourself that someone else's experience is not necessarily going to be your own. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a really good point. And like, and especially I think, uh, it's very easy to fall into like the Instagram trap or blog trap yeah. and like read, you know, people put the highlights of places and, and think places can look incredibly beautiful in pictures. And a little trick that I've found is like, if you see the same couple pictures of a place, like do some dig, do, do some deeper digging because like that that likely means that's all there is there, and you could you can be you can become infatuated with these places and realize like oh, well, you know once you actually get there, it's your experience isn't going to be what somebody else claims it to be, and I think that's one really cool aspect of the digital nomad lifestyle is like you can go you can bounce around and find a place that really resonates with you and decide for yourself if you want to spend some more time there, not kind of like you've done with, with Columbia. Exactly. You know, it's funny. My mom is even watching. She came and spent much of the winter with us this past year. And now she's looking at making the move to Mexico more permanently. So even my mom is doing it. Listen, if my mom can do it, then so can you. Okay. 
<laughs> you've you've uh, you've planted the seed, and it's it's becoming contagious within the family, huh? Totally. And it's not even just my family. I have people that message me. I have another friend that was just in Peru for a month. She's like, oh my God, I feel like I'm like you now. And it's, if that's, I mean, if that's what, if if I can like give people a little seed of inspiration to be able to do this, I would say the way that this also ties into your career, which obviously needs to fuel how you support this kind of lifestyle, I would say at any point in your life, you could be a new grad, you could be someone who's 60 and had two or three different careers. It's really important as human beings who all have a limited amount of time on the earth that you stop for a second and actually take inventory of what you have and if you're happy with what you have. So I think we get excited about the lifestyle because we associate this lifestyle with also doing a job that fulfills us. So if you can stop and actually go, this job that I'm doing, this work, does it fulfill me? If it doesn't, then what changes can you make to pursue something that you actually love? And you can do that at any age. It's super important that your time is spent doing something that you're passionate about, doing something that fulfills you. So when we talk about personal branding, which is defined by experts in so many different ways, I think particularly as this relates to digital nomads, it's the intersection of two things, something you love paired with something others need and are willing to spend money on, or they're willing to invest in the product that you sell or the service that you offer. And I would say also for like new grads, people that are imagining this in their near future, weigh heavily the ability to work remotely which by the way, before this last year was something that only a fraction of people actually thought about. And now everyone is thinking about it. So I would say, what is something that you absolutely love to do? If you won the lottery today, and you didn't need to work for a minute the rest of your life. What is it you would do with your time? Think about the answer to that question and pair it with, what is something people really need? Where is there a place for me in the marketplace? Like I thought when I graduated, I'm going to move out to LA and go work for a marketing agency or an advertising agency, I guess. Like, I guess I better go work for someone. And I applied for jobs. and I I didn't get a job. So I was like, crap, I got to pay rent next month. Like what tangible skills do I have that I can help someone? My first three clients were a real estate agent, jewelry designer, makeup artist, all in LA, all women, all were like, I don't know how to make a website or how to get a logo. Is this something you can help me with? The answer is always yes. Even if I didn't know how to do it, I still said yes. And that was how it started. <laughs> you knew how to Google. <laughs> I knew how to Google and I knew how to, yeah, exactly. I knew how to like figure it out. And I think um, I never intentionally planned on choosing a job that I'd be able to do re- remotely. I think in some some case I was lucky. You know, I didn't become a videographer or something that requires a lot of gear or something that requires being there physically. And I'm so grateful I did because really, I think I found happiness in a lifestyle that I love. I encourage people to do the same, specifically think about the intersection of passion and need. That's excellent advice. And I think like, uh, is a great stepping stone into like a lot of people will kind of start the other way around and they think like, okay, I want a remote job. I want location independence. Now I just got to figure out what fits in that box. And I think if you go in the reverse order, like you did, and like, what am I passionate about? What am I good at? And then these days, it's not so hard to, once you've discovered that thing, turn it into a remote job. I ca- I have, I've mentioned this on my show before and people might think like, okay, dude, I've heard this, but like my mom was the first remote worker that I knew 
when this was like 20 something years ago and she was a nurse and she managed, she finagled a nursing job into a remote job. <laughs> so if you can, like if a nurse can become a remote worker, like anybody, you know, and I'm not talking like a travel nurse, like she was like working from a laptop as a nurse, like true digital nomad style. So my point is, is like, like, you know, piggybacking off of what you're saying is like, if you are, if you have you, everybody has skills, everybody has experiences, and it's easier than ever to parlay those into something that you can do location independently. You don't have to be a website designer or a coder or, you know, like, like it doesn't have to be a prototypical remote job. You don't have to start there. And I think it's cool that you didn't set out on that path. It just worked out that way for you. Choosing the location of where you're going to work from or where you're going to live is like choosing dessert. It's fun, but you don't get to do that first. That's not how this works because that makes it about you and your own tastes No one cares about you. If you're going to be working remotely, it needs to be about the interests of the people that are hiring you. That's what you need to prioritize. It's a little bit like going back to the age of choosing which university I was going to go to. Am I going to choose university based on which country or which city it's in because it's a fun place to be? No, that's not the right thing to do. That's making it about you. Instead, it should be which program you know, aligns best with what I'm passionate about so that it's going to prepare me for a career or a job servicing others, you know, <laughs> to be able to grow. That's, that's, it, it's fun. It's fun, but it's not the first thing you get to do. Like, yeah. it's just like going and running a marathon, all the food you get to eat after the marathon, that's fun, but you have to do the marathon first. You have to train <laughs> You have to figure out how you're going to win and how you're going to beat other people, and then you get to party. And so I feel similarly about this. There needs to be a focus more on them, your customer, your audience, your user, or a combination of those people. It's about them. And then when those people are happy and you've got money in your bank account because they're happy and you've made mistakes that you're going to avoid in the future, then you get to choose. Then you get to have dessert. Yeah. And then, and then you get to live comfortably on like you're, you're living comfortably. Now you're not having to piece this together and stress about money at the end of the, I mean, the whole, the vagabonding thing, I I read the book vagabonding it, uh, when I was younger and I thought this sounds awesome, but like, it's really not so much fun when you, uh, after it gets very exhausting, like without much, uh, you, you need to be able to live comfortably. You want to be able to have some flexibility and not, and not, stress too much about money. It will suck the joy out of the digital nomad experience very, very quickly. So I agree. Um, don't under, I think it's always good advice. Like don't underestimate the, uh, the, the need for having a decent income on the road. Like you'll, you'll want that. You'll want it. You'll want some sense of stability because you've electively given up, uh, stability in a lot of other cases. Um, and you, you, you don't think these things matter, but they do. Trust me. When I get to an Airbnb in Mexico and there are no forks, I'm like, okay, here we go. Now I have to figure out, you know, or how many times have you landed somewhere and the Wi-Fi isn't as good as they said it was going to be? And then you have to brainstorm and figure out how am I going to not let down, you know, the people that I owe, clients, et cetera, 
I am I'm I obsess over making sure it's not an inconvenience for someone else that I'm not working from home or I'm not based in the US. And yep. there are instances where it's unavoidable, I'd say. Um, but I try really hard to not make it someone else's problem. And uh, it's all part of it. And I think you know, stability with work, with job, with with an income is I don't know a reality where that's not important, at least in yeah. my world. So I haven't <laughs> yeah. read the book Vagabond, and I'm not reading the book Vagabond because this sweetheart is not a vagabond. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, you wanna you wanna live a little, you wanna live comfortably. No, I'm I'm beyond my vagabonding days. If I if I ever was one, um, I don't think I ever. Class, I don't think true vagabonds would would uh, be happy with me classifying myself that way. But I just think it's it's the reality. And and the truth is, if you're if you're working while traveling, like you you need to be able to have that. You need solid Wi-Fi. You you need to be in a comfortable place to work and and, and in places where with you know w- when your laptop crashes, you need to go and be able to fix it and stuff. So it's just it, you got to be in in uh, in the real world, so to speak. Um, I, I realized that we haven't even really touched on exactly what you do. Like what what funds this beautiful life that you've built and and like I I, I know a bit about you because I follow you, but the audience may not. So tell us a little bit about like this, this pretty awesome business that you built and, and what you do on the day to day. Sure. And actually recently I'm going to go and pull it up. I created a little infographic on my Instagram talking about the power of diversified income streams, which is like a new thing for me. So in 2019, I had one income stream, which was branding services, which I've done since 2011. This will be 10 years, actually this month. Oh my God, I better plan some kind of celebration because <laughs> uh, I sure have a lot more gray hairs than I used to. But now <laughs> the time of recording this 2021, I have one, two, three, four categories of income streams. So still Wow, my most my most significant one is branding, uh, branding services. So website, photography, brand identity development, social media strategy. My expertise is in personal branding. It's what I know. I've, you know, worked with over three hundred personal brands, clients from all areas, sectors, countries. My longest client is a shark on Shark Tank. I've worked with world leaders, politicians, professionals. Uh, public speakers, like all, you know, mines, food and beverage, like crazy uh, variety of, of industries. But really my, my thing is personal branding. So when I'm up on stage and I'm speaking, I'm talking to and, and about people, how we brand ourselves, which you highlighted at the beginning is what I've done with myself. Yeah. That's exactly yeah, what I've yeah. done with myself. So, and, and so for someone where that phrase, if somebody's thinking like, I, I kind of get what that means, but could go a little deeper on like, like, so what is what, cause this is super important these days. Like our, your, your personal brand is kind of what sets you up for a lot of things. I mean, you, we didn't used to have such a, a digital footprint in terms of our personal branding and um, we're kind of all our own little in charge of our own little personal brands now. So what are you doing to help these people elevate that status? And, and uh, I guess, how does it benefit them in the long run? Right. So I'm a good example of a personal brand. I'm a brand strategist. I help people and companies position, build, and promote themselves. And it's really hard to do for yourself because you're so close to it. 
my business is myself. It's my name, even though it's not just me. I have people on my team, one full-time, many part-time, project basis, depending on what we got cooking. But my business is me. And in fact, it's led to my other income streams, which we are talking about. So now I'm doing more sponsored content, course creation and programs. Those are all things that I am I am doing and, and, and their business for me. And then of course, the other one is real estate, but really personal branding is for people that want to build a business around themselves. My, my number one client is the same age as me. She last year made over a million dollars. So she's 32, over a million dollars. Her primary audience is on Instagram. She sold fitness programs that we helped her create. She creates content and it's all around her. People, she so, so powerfully connects with her audience and stays on their radar that we all feel like we're kind of, she's like one of our best friends, even though most, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that follow her have never met her in real life. And that's the reality of 2021. It's crazy. And so personal branding isn't really a luxury or a choice. If people are typing your name into Google, you have a personal brand. What you need to do responsibly is figure out, okay, how can I take control over how people perceive me, over that first impression other people have? So when I'm working with people on building what it is to show for that, we're positioning you. You know, What is it you love to do? How do we pair that with a need, which is what we've talked about? I'm starting to put that into language and visuals when we're building something to show for it. Photography is incredibly important because it substitutes. It's like your little, you know, soldier that goes to war uh, or goes to battle on your behalf. There are people right now watching YouTube video. Right now, there are, I wouldn't say thousands, hundreds of people watching my YouTube videos that I only started posting a year and a half ago. And so those videos I made a year, year and a half ago are like my little soldiers right now that are teaching people how to do something. And it's making them subscribe to my channel and watch other videos, which is bringing me in money through advertising and more money through sponsored content. You see, so, and it all comes back to me. It all, all these are little branches that stem from the tree. And the tree, really, the anchor, the center point is me, my name, my brand. And so I am the humanizing element of what we do. And, and we are all humanizing you know, elements of, of what we offer or what we do in business. Even in a corporation, there are three areas of humanization, the client or the customer, the leadership of a company who founded it, who created it. Why did they do that? And then one that often gets forgotten is the employees, the people inside the company that ideally are your best brand advocates. So Really, you know, last thought on this, technology will constantly evolve and change. The thing that will never change is the way humans interact. We'll be using a different social media platform or a different, you know, piece of software to record this conversation 10 years from now, but it's going to be a similar conversation because that human component never changes. And that's why I think it's a cool space to be in and it's something really smart to build. Yeah, and I also think it's really relevant for people listening. If if people are wondering like why we're talking so much about personal branding on an about abroad uh, podcast, for for me, it's because a lot of people like legitimately people write to me, the part of the audience, and says like, I I really want to become a digital nomad. I really have a desire to work overseas, but I need a job that will allow that to happen. 
and I don't know how to do that. I want to be an entrepreneur and, and have my own business, but I'm not really great with social media and I'm not a blogger and I'm not, so how am I going to do that? And so I think it's really important to hear from people like you, Phil, who can say like, a, I'm, I'm a big proponent of hiring professionals to do what you're not good at. So outsourcing your weaknesses is like as a is a something that we should just all invest more in. We we tend to think we have to like level up every single skill and internalize them all. And I'm like, no, there's pros that do that. Like focus on your strengths and focus if you focus your energy on your strengths and outsource your weaknesses, you'll be a lot more efficient. And so anyway, hearing that there's people like you that can help you create these courses. Everybody's got skills and knowledge. I know someone that listens to this show and has told me this exactly. Like I have skills, but I, there's no way I could digital digitalize them and make them location independent. And I'm like, yes, you can for sure. You can, you could teach courses. You're skilled. You could teach courses. You just have to create a brand around yourself. And so if you want location independence, if you want to live in Colombia like Phil, if you want to travel the world, like it, it can all kind of start here with setting yourself up for success and, and creating your, your personal brand. So super important. Like not everybody's going to get hired by a remote work company. Not everybody wants to work for a remote work company. You know, people want to do different things. So I, I, it's really, really important. Why would you want to put so much pressure on yourself to have to be the responsibility of someone else? That stresses me right out. Imagine having a job for one person and then that person decides they don't want you anymore and then you're left without a job. No, thank you. I'd rather for me, I like having multiple clients. I like having multiple income streams now is a new thing for me. You know, Self-quarantine, pandemic was like, that shook me. It was like, Oh my God, I'm lucky that this didn't sever my main business. But what if it did? What if something in the future does? I need to have, you know, multiple. So I'm almost obsessed with that now. And so the idea of like going and working for one person, I don't think there's anything riskier. It's the opposite of what most people believe. Like, oh, well, I need a stable job where I get paid bi-weekly by my employer. That's not stability. I think that's the greatest risk that exists because it means that someone else can decide your fate. And I don't like that. Isn't there some, there's like some quote, maybe Warren Buffett or something, but it's like, like basically if you only have one income stream, you're just one step away from, from poverty or something, something like that. It, it, mm. It's something to that tune. But what's really cool about this, this digital age and like the, the emergence of courses and building personal brands online is that you can very quickly uh, I wouldn't say easily. I, it's it's you still have to put a lot of work into it, but you can create multiple income streams. And then, like you said, it all comes back to you. It's all it's all authentically you, which really shines through in your work. I think is that authenticity. I mean, in your in your intro video, you say something, and you can say it better than me. But like, it's it's all about like being truly authentic and not trying to portray something that you're not. And we've gotten very caught up in portraying. Especially, I, I think a lot in this digital nomad world, traveler world, there's a lot of people like, yeah. oh, they're trying to portray that they're this like successful travel blogger. And like, you know, you, you talk to some people who are in that position, their their social media looks amazing. And they'll say, yeah, I make, you know, I make 15,000 bucks a year and like sleep in hostels <laughs> mostly. Like that doesn't show up on, on the gram. But anyway, I, I went off on a little bit of a rant there. But I just think, I think that authenticity is is super important. We get caught up in first impressions because it's competitive and it's scary. So I think 
the best thing you can do is take inventory of self, be aware of self or self-aware. And the idea is that you know where you're strong. You know where you're faced with challenges, either hire those out or stay away from those responsibilities. Ideally, we were all, I think the world would be a happy place if we were all operating in our area of genius. Every single person has an area of genius. It's just that some people don't realize that. Sometimes they go a lifetime without ever discovering what it really is that makes them tick. And I feel sympathy for people like that. I think if you if you're not sure, don't put too much pressure on yourself to figure out what that is by tomorrow, but try different things, be open to new experiences and conversations that you can't even anticipate how they're going to end up. And I think yeah, with digital nomads, it's that curiosity that fuels us, I think. That 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 accepting of I don't know what the future holds, but I'm kind of excited by the mystery of it. I think that yeah. keeps a lot of us going and it's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. It is. I'm I'm curious like you obviously you have a successful business and you're I mean you've been you know you've been featured you're you're traveling all over the world during normal times whether for work or for play. How do you maintain like how do you maintain any kind of a routine? How do you keep yourself productive on track? Do you have any any tips like are are you a hardcore routine person or are you like free flowy? Do, how what's what's a normal day or week look like for you? Sure. So I don't like routine. Although I go through phases where I embrace it. Right now I'm in a phase where I'm embracing it. I think I'm lucky also that I have a partner with complementary interests and skill sets. He loves routine. And so like if it wasn't for him dragging me to the gym every morning, I wouldn't be going four times a week or five <laughs> times a week sometimes. So that's good. Uh, a typical week for me, I like to wake up early because I like to get the gym out of the way because I don't enjoy being there. I like how I feel after. Okay, I like mm -hmm. how I feel after. But I try to get that out of the way by like 8, 8.30. I usually start working around 9, sometimes 10 if I'm moving a little slow. I work fairly late. So, but then, you know, the, my schedule is up to me. So sometimes I, I get things done faster and better if I have a little bit of pressure. I'm very organized with my schedule, so I don't speak to people on the phone unless it's Tuesday or Thursday, which enables me time on like Wednesdays and sometimes Mondays. Friday's kind of a write-off. Wednesdays and Mondays to like do deep focus work. Mm -hmm. So like making a website or really, you know, making a course, you know, focus, focus work. I can do better on days where I don't have interruptions. That's mostly that's mostly me. Yesterday, I didn't really feel like working, I discovered. So kind of took the day off, which means I'll get back at it today. But I kind of, I love the ability to also design that. I work well with deadlines as well, better than like, you know, routine deadlines are, are better for me. Gotcha. Are you, and are you working with multiple clients at any given time? Or is it more like one client, then move on to the next one? No, it's multiple. I normally have, I'd say on average between eight and 12 and sometimes more. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, you, you, uh, you're, you said you're embracing this, the routine right now, so maybe it's a little bit different, but you, you, it does require you having some kind of rigidity, like, so, and, and the deadlines certainly help. Like if you've got something hanging over, you're like, yeah, I've, I've, I'm going to get it done for the deadline, but it does. I think there, it is nice for people to know, like, you know, you're, you're not just like, you know, it's not a, it's not a five hour a week job. You're working 
you're working for your money and you're you're spending I time work a investing lot. in your business. Yeah. Yeah, I work yeah. a lot, but I enjoy working. I work pretty late. I'll sometimes work till eight or nine, but I enjoy it and I'm doing it because I want to do it and I want to put the time in to do it well. So you had yeah. said to me before we hit record, you were like, I love everything looks so good and it's so professionally recorded that you put out, et cetera. And I'm like, yeah, that's important to me. It's important to me that people have a good first experience uh, or first impression. So I do put the time in to do things well for my clients mm -hmm. and for myself, because that's something I take a lot of pride in. And it's important to me. So yeah, I'm not, yeah, it's not like a bare minimum type work. I really, I love what I do and I try to do it as best as I can. Yeah, it, sh it shines through. And I think there's like nothing better than when you can blur the lines between work and play. Like, like for me doing this podcast and, and a lot of the work I do at Doist is like, it, there's, it, it, I don't have to draw this strong, hardcore line between the two. Like people, oh, you're working right now. Like, does it really work? Like if I'm doing something I really enjoy, you know, like I try really hard to disconnect, like, like to truly disconnect on weekends or like vacation. If we're on vacation, I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to do this stuff just mainly just to like give my mind a break. I think I come back stronger, you know? Um, yep. but, but I think it's great when you can blur those lines between the two and just like, it doesn't have to feel like you have to flip the switch on and off. It's like, okay. And then, and then it's just important to put some boundaries in place so that you, you can separate the two a little bit because otherwise it can, you can find yourself working all the time. And uh, that can that can hurt relationships and people around you. But it sounds like you found that sweet spot. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And sometimes you don't realize it until you have a conversation like this where you're like reflecting, you know, and then these conversations always make me feel good. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I am. I'm happy with what I have and what I built. It feels good. <laughs> I, I worked something. I did. I did well. Uh, yeah. I wanted to, we, we got away from Columbia earlier because we went down another trail and uh, I, I meant to ask a little bit more. I'm very curious about how, uh, if there's any stipulations around whether or not you can, like as a Canadian, and maybe if you know, you know, generally speaking for Americans or people from other countries, the, the rules around like coming and going and staying, um, do you have, I'm not asking you to be a visa pro, but if you have any info that you could share on that, that's usually useful for people listening. Yes. So Columbia will allow you to stay up to three months with a possible extension that now they make it very easy to be able to go online and just pay a very small fee, uh, like nominal fee to be able to stay for three more months. So uh, visitors can stay up to six months, yes. but just make sure you don't just stay for six months at that three month mark slightly before you have to go online and just renew it with the, the Colombian um, like equivalent of immigration. And yeah, it's pretty easy. I'm actually, it's on my list of to-dos this week is to renew mine because I'm coming up at the three-month mark. I'll be just slightly over. I know people that have missed that and they pay a small fine at the airport or whatever. But yeah, that's how you do it. They allow you three months, three-month visa, and then you can extend it uh, for another three months. And staying beyond that, I'm not totally sure. I think it does get a little complicated to be here more permanently. I have never looked into it because I've never stayed long in six gotcha. months. Gotcha. Okay. But six months sounds like it's super easy. That's And that's plenty of time for anybody that might want to go there and try to figure it out. I wouldn't recommend staying here for more than six months, actually, unless there's whatever reasons, business, family, et cetera. I think the other joy of being in Latin America is that you can hop around to some other incredible countries that are relatively close. I flew to Peru from here. I've flown easily to Mexico. 
from here. I've flown to Brazil from here. So I think particularly if you're visiting the country the, for the first time, plan on three months. Yeah. And if you want to stay longer, extend it. And would you would you suggest Medellin or would you suggest starting somewhere else? I mean, obviously we, we talked about this like to each his own, but does that seem like a good jumping off point to, to see the rest of the country? Or would you say, no, no, definitely start somewhere else? I would say Medellin. I, I haven't met anyone that's been unhappy here. I have met a few people that love Bogota, maybe more. For me, it's just, it's a big city. Uh, the traffic's really rough and the weather's not that great. So those are all things that um, matter to me. So for me, Medellin is walkable in the in particular neighborhoods like Laureles or Poblado. Super walkable and awesome. Although the hills are very steep, it's just so lush and awesome. I think it's a great place to be based. Super comfortable, affordable. And then if you need that, tropical vibes or you want to experience some other parts of the country it's a really quick flight nice nice and so is that uh is that kind of the way to get around then uh air like by flight or is there like in in ecuador we took you take buses like everywhere the the flights actually were like super yeah. inconvenient but buses were just like the way to go and they're like really comfortable and and nice it's not like in the u.s we kind of have a thing again you think of the bus and you're like oh brutal but like in latin america it's such, it's very, they're very, very nice. And it's like the preferred method of, of travel. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say flights are pretty easy. The country's big, country's big. So you can't take a bus everywhere. Or if you do, it takes a long time, but flights, are, there's a lot of great low, low cost, uh, uh, flights here, but yeah, you can't, I've taken, I've taken buses to places that are like four to five hours away from Medellin, places like Hardin, which are really cute. A lot of cute small towns. Yeah. I mean, kind of the basics, but you've got options. That's what's great is just, I think choosing somewhere to be centered makes a lot of sense. Like I love choosing a home base and then being able to do little weekend offshoot trips is kind of my style. Yeah. Yeah. Me, me as well. With a backpack. Yeah. yeah, just have your home base. Like you're comfortable there. You know you have a home to come back to and then go out and explore and, and come back home on, on Sunday. <laughs> exactly. I love it. That's totally me. I love it. I hope that I will get a chance to to cross paths with you uh, actually in Colombia. And I'm really excited to come visit and the, the vibrancy and the the food and, and the people. It just It all calls to me. So you've made it sound even better. Well, listen, if it's not Colombia... It could be somewhere else. It could be somewhere else. Here's what I here's what I always say to my friends who travel. If you are one of my friends who travels, we will meet somewhere sometime. It's the people that don't travel, the people that stay in one place. There's no hope in hell that you're going to see <laughs> me in real life. It just won't happen. But the, but my friends who travel, we will end up in the same country in the same city. It just it always it happens, does. and we'll be able to reconnect. It's just a matter a matter of time, isn't it? Um, I hope that I hope that's coming back yes. sooner rather than later. I I really really look forward to continuing to follow your journey and all the cool places that you're going to continue to travel to and the brands that you're helping build. And it's just, it's been really fun getting to know you a little bit better. I, I wish we, uh, I wish we had a couple hours set aside to keep the conversation going, but I'll, I'll let you get back to, to work here. So thank you so much. I will also want to give you the chance real quick. If you want to share, uh, links to your podcast, to your, uh, website, to your courses, anything like that. I'll put it all in the show notes as well. But while people are listening, feel free to uh, to mention those here. And if you have any other little tidbits you want to throw in about Columbia, your work, whatever, uh, by all means, go for it. Awesome. So 
I would love for people, if they're listening to this podcast, if you're a podcast listener, check out our podcast, which is called Brand Therapy. We tackle branding, business challenges. My colleague and I work through those together. We have over 100 episodes. And on my website, there's a really cool section called freebies. So philpallon.co slash freebies. And I have over 10 digital downloads that are all free that will help you in all areas of uh positioning, building, and promoting your brand. So everything from evergreen content ideas to writing your brand positioning statement, all of that stuff is there for free. So I tell people to check that out. Instagram, if I, you know, say hello, if you made it through this episode, yay, <laughs> say hello, you know, take a few extra seconds to send us a DM on, on Instagram. We love hearing from people. It's a conversation and not just a broadcast. So that is super cool. That's where I spend most of my time. And on Instagram it's, and across social media, it's at Phil Palin. Perfect. We will, uh, we, it, it's, it, they're really fun handles to follow as well. Like you share videos and like a lot around Medellin. It's not all just about like branding and work. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of a, no. a glimpse inside your life as a digital nomad and someone who's really kind of settled into Columbia. So if any of what we've talked about today has resonated with you, then I can attest, go, go follow along. You'll, you'll not be disappointed. And again, we'll place all those links in the show notes as well. So it'll be easily clickable. Phil, thank you so much. Uh, I, I really, really enjoyed this. I'm happy that we got to know each other a little better and I'm looking forward to following along closer now. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure. What a fun topic to tackle. And I really appreciate it. It's been awesome. You're very welcome. We'll we'll have to do it again. And uh, as you said, we'll, it's just a matter of time till we till we cross paths uh, in real life, as they say. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Love Hasta it. luego, amigo. Hasta luego. Thanks for tuning in today from wherever you are in the world. Once again, I'm Chase, and this has been another episode of About Abroad. You can visit aboutabroad.com to get our latest updates and listen to past episodes, or find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, really anywhere you get your podcasts. On that note, if you enjoyed the show, feel free to subscribe, and if inclined, leave a few stars and a review. It's truly, truly appreciated and will help more wanderers just like you find us. Until the next time, adios from España.